There's a new music business for the 21st century, and now is the best time ever to be in the music business. Because in the new music business, the artist is in charge. My name's Rick Barker, and I've been blessed to make a living in the music business for almost 30 years. I'm a personal manager, author, speaker. Many know me as the manager who launched the career of Taylor Swift. But what I'm most proud of are the thousands of artists from around the world that I manage daily and help navigate this crazy business. This podcast is designed to keep you up to date with the changes in the business and to give you the mindset, tools, and resources that you need to succeed. Helping you navigate the music industry, here's Rick Barker with the Music Industry Blueprint Podcast. Hey, hey how are you? Good. How are we doing? I'm doing well, thank you. Good to check, check in with you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, great to uh, chat face-to-face. I know, right? It feels like with social media, we're always speaking on Instagram or wherever the case, or I'm on a training or a webinar. And, you know, it's like now we're finally connecting. So I love that. Yeah, I love that. Um, Yeah, I mean, you've had a big impact on my career, both musically and business-wise. So it's cool to get to finally uh, have this conversation. What's interesting is when you came across my feed, it was one of your sponsored ads for your, your business that you're yeah. running. I was always accustomed to seeing you as the guitar player, you know, as the <laughs> musician. And now all of a sudden I'm like, all right, this is awesome. You know, he's branching out a little bit, sharing what he, what success he's had with other people. When did you start doing that? Because, you know, you obviously have a skill for it. And a lot of musicians don't realize that if they're one step ahead of somebody else, they can provide value. Yeah. I mean, it really came down to like understanding that if I could help somebody else bypass the five years of trial and error that it took to take a band from square one to actually being able to monetize their fan base and actually make a music, make a living from music. If I could help a couple people do that, that would be a valuable service to provide. So it started just having so many people ask me like about what I was doing and how we were making these strides in our career. And so at a certain point I was like, well, maybe, you know, I should put this out there. I could help some people. So let's back up a second, introduce yourself and tell people, the journey, you know, it's just not like you woke up one day and wow, I'm a badass guitar player and I'm in a band that's successful. And, you know, I'm going to start helping other bands market and have the success that we've had. So let, let's go backwards a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. So basically, um, so my name's Jordan Nevinoff. And at this point, so I run this boutique marketing agency out of Denver called Highline Artists, where we mainly help uh, artists uh, build out loyal communities around their music to the point of monetization. And then also we sell a course on the side as a low ticket product to people that can't afford our services. And I've been touring with my band Evanoff for almost eight years now. And this uh, this company was a natural byproduct of the band because it was like managing the band and all the skill sets that I learned by doing that is kind of what allowed me to start this company and begin helping other people with those skills. And the band, like we started when we went to school for music business at CU Denver. And that was like seven or eight years ago. We were all in the music program. And for the first few years of doing the band thing, we we did like the, the traditional rock band grind. It was like, we thought we had to tour to make fans. So we toured hard for five, six years before learning how to do things properly on the digital end. And it honestly was, I think coming across some of the entrepreneur stuff about three years ago, and some of the trainings from uh, like Circa and those guys. Yep. Actually, you were on one of their podcasts early on too. And I remember that. Um, but it was that was like a turning point. The idea that we could 
get in front of more people by doing things digitally and then use that as fuel for our touring and be able to use that as like a catalyst to make touring more profitable. So that basically started this deep dive, this like black hole of me taking possibly every music marketing course on the internet, like tens of thousands of dollars on every single course and just really building out that skill set. Because I had this moment where I realized the only difference between an independent artist and an artist on a major label really is a marketing team and capital to work with. Funding, yeah, it's funding. Yeah, funding and knowing how to spend that money to find fans. Not that labels are particularly good at doing that anyways, but that is the main divide. So I kind of took it upon myself to be like, I'm just going to get really good at this and really acquire this skill set. And it's paid off like countlessly. So you're, you're, you're telling me that you didn't learn this in your music business class at college? No, um, we kind of joke around in the band that like we would be great professors at our school at this yeah. point. Because <laughs> seriously, nobody's real in those programs. It's like, no, the reality is you need to be able to brand yourself and create a product that is desirable and then use digital marketing to find the people that are interested. Yeah. Like, I guess it baffles me to this day that every sector of business has adopted these pretty cutting edge digital marketing tools, except for music. It's still so foreign for so many people. It's funny because it's not foreign. It's just, they are standoffish with it. It's like, for whatever reason, to me, musicians think they're the exception to the rule. It's like, I've created this great art. So people are just going to find me because the art is so great. And I was uh, watching a, a YouTube short and Ray Daniels was interviewing this guy. And he said, you know, once I realized that if I wanted to make money every day, I couldn't just focus on the creative side because then all I'm going to do is get better at my craft. I'm not going to make money. And once I realized, and he said, I didn't care if it was $25 a day, $50 a day. He said, once I realized that until I know how to take my art and turn it into a product that people are willing to pay for or stream millions of times, it doesn't matter how great I make the creative if I don't know how to get it out into the world. And it's funny because I sit with artists sometimes and I'm like, you know, and and now the numbers have grown as we're recording this to 120,000 songs a day are being uploaded. It's doubled. Crazy. It's doubled. So there's no shortage of content that's being put into the marketplace. There's a shortage of content that's being consumed because just because we put it out there doesn't necessarily mean someone's going to find it. And you made a very good point earlier, as I was telling people a long time ago, is that the relationships that you build online, you can then monetize offline. So the relationships that you build online with, let's say, people in Nevada, if you're regionally touring out of Colorado, you build those relationships with the people in Nevada online, and then you show up and do a show. And now all those people you built relationships with want to come to the show. They want to buy your merch. They want to support your band. And that's something that a lot of artists are missing. That key is that in the old days, you had to be on the road to physically get your music in front of people unless you were one of the few that was on the radio. And today, everyone's phone is their radio. So if you're dropping Instagram, you know, you're dropping YouTube, you're dropping Twitter, you're dropping TikToks, you're dropping Facebook posts, you now have the ability to drop your music in front of an audience. And if they choose to push play, they chose you. 
No one chooses the next song that comes on the radio. No one chooses the next song that comes on a, on a playlist. But if they stop what they're doing and push play, they've now given you permission to come into their world. And that's powerful to me. It's really powerful. And then in an extension of that, the ability we have to retarget anybody who does take that engagement on our content, stuff like that, that I feel is a superpower for independent artists. Like sure. the fact that we can make sure and like keep track of the data, the people that have interacted with us and then nurture them down the funnel and yep. build those relationships through these digital tactics. Like I feel like that changes everything because not only are you getting the play, but you're getting the chance to, you can force that relationship, not force it, but you can coax people down Absolutely. this funnel into becoming a really true fan. And honestly, I think one of the most powerful techniques we implemented as a band was one of your little masterclasses I took about the uh, organic engagement through reaching yes. out to your fans. So we kind of took that to an extreme level. Please um, I remember share. I, Please messaged share. You, yeah. <laughs> I messaged you at one point because we were overdoing it and we were getting blocked on Instagram <laughs> because basically what we were doing, we were running retargeting ads and anybody who liked or commented on the retargeting ads, we know that they've interacted with us a number of times. So we're at, they're at the point where we felt comfortable making that contact with them. Sure. We'd reach out and we were putting a lot of ad spend into it. So we were hitting up 100 people a day, 100, 200 people a day and starting these conversations and the level of community and morale that built between like us and our fans was insane. Like we'd go to a city and hundred extra people would come the next time we tour there. And all of them would try to come up to us and talk to us about how meaningful it was that we reached out to them personally. Sure. Like that extra touch point changes it from somebody who knows of an artist to somebody who feels like they know an artist. Like it is and that the artist knows difference. them. And more importantly, yes. that the artist knows them because when you, and you know, I've been, I just, sat down uh, right before this call, I had done an event for CD Baby and I utilized my Instachamp where I said, look, just comment the word, just message me the word lifetime. And then I had another uh, keyword, which was gifts. And I said, hey, the gifts that I promised, I just loaded up my presentation, all the chat GPT stuff that I did, I put that in there for you. And I also noticed that you asked about lifetime membership into working with me. I said, just click the button above. And I said their name. They heard my voice. It took me 30 seconds. I can't type that in 30 seconds. I suck at typing, especially text typing. But the fact that they were able to hear my voice, the fact that I was able to say their name, it's a different level of relationship now because we're having a conversation like two people who know each other would have a conversation. And it's game changer at that point. Absolutely. And like you touched on, like it, that personability of them hearing your voice and you saying their name and making it personalized, it's so much different than what I've seen other artists do, which is, you know, blast out DMs to people. Sure. This makes it a personal conversation. Like it's actually one-to-one. -one. They know it's not a copy and paste. They know right. it's not automated. And that makes a big difference. The next thing we did is we we built out this giant spreadsheet. And so everybody we interacted with, we have all of these data points on them. So like different things about what they like, their personalities, how they discovered us, like if they tagged us in content, if they shared yeah. our songs. So what that lets us do is like, we are able to sort that sheet by people at the different levels of fans for us. Like people that just discovered us and are excited all the way to people that we know have purchased tickets, purchased merch. Sure. And from there, we can communicate with each type of person differently. So it's not just like a one size fits all interaction with our fan base. 
Now, people are going to say, oh my God, that takes so much work. Yes, it does. It, it does. And, and any <laughs> successful business understands that. It's like any relationship that's important takes work, whether it be a father with his kids, a husband and his wife, an artist and their fans. It's like the, re- the money is in the relationship. The money is not in the music. The music kind of gets the conversation started, but it's what takes place after is where the money starts coming into play. You made a, a statement earlier that you guys have been able to make a living with your music. That's hard for a band because there's members of this band. So do you guys right. kind of divvy up the roles or how are you guys as a band working this? Because it's one thing if if you're the, if all of a sudden Jordan's the only guy looking at the spreadsheet and the only guy that has relationships, what kind of conversation did you have to have with the band knowing that every personality is different to say, look, these are our roles. These are the jobs that we need to take on. So that has been uh, a process for sure. So it started out, I was really interested in this stuff and them starting to understand why this is important and find a passion for for it themselves has taken some time. But we've gotten to the point where we have very specific delegated roles in the band. So I handle most the advertising, branding, like admin side of things. Uh, our keyboard player handles all that Instagram and fan and engagement stuff because that takes a lot of time. That's like, yep. that's enough for one person to do. Then the other person, our drummer, handles all the graphics and stuff like that. So basically, we split it up into that. And then we get together, I don't know, once a week just for business, just to discuss. And we'll we'll take courses. We'll watch entrepreneur videos. We'll watch some of your stuff. And then we're all at this point, trying to constantly grow those skill sets that we know will be beneficial for the business. This took a long time of convincing them to understand that the business sure. was as important time-wise as the music, um, but it's it's paid off so much. Like at this point, most of the money still comes from touring. I'd say about like sixty percent. Um, we're also dropping merch and pushing sales through email regularly, doing this free plus shipping shipping and handling funnel that I've heard yep. you talk about. Entrepreneur yep. has a whole training on that. Yep. So we've been running that for a bit. That's been incredible because uh, just once you get into the e-commerce space as a band, the leverage you have with like upsells in your checkout process, like you're giving fans an opportunity to support you in ways that they didn't know really existed before. Right. So you end up maximizing this cart value more than you ever thought was possible. And so it's it's things like this, these different skill sets that you're able to really put into play once you kind of build that momentum and have an audience that is willing to take that action on your behalf. And I think once you start making money, it changes the thought process as well, because then they're like, well, we can print money every single day. We can send out one email that generates income. We can send out one post. We can run one ad and this ad will consistently generate income even while you sleep. And I think once artists start tapping into that, it's like artists will come to me and I'll say, you know, what's your goal this year? And they're like, well, I would love to make $50,000. I'm like, great. How much did you make last year? Well, I haven't really made anything yet. I said, okay, so you're wanting to 50,000 times (laughs) your current income. Why don't we start with making your first hundred dollars, then your first $500, then your first thousand and the crawl before you walk. It's not cliche. It's really true. And, and once you understand the value of an email, once you understand 
the money and the work that you put in to get it, not to abuse that right, not to just constantly funnel them with offers and try to get them to spend money, but to lead them to where they can contribute to the band. You know, it's like, if you start thinking of it, it's like, I've got to get this money. No, you need to get support and support will come in time. Yes, you're going to find that random person that just goes, okay, what the heck? You know, first time, see it, nine bucks, sure, I'll do it. Those are far and few between, you know? So it's like really understanding that nurture sequence, that process of building that relationship. And then, like you said, letting them know other ways they can support the band that they didn't even know existed. Because once they've already spent money with you, it's what's, a, what's another five bucks? What's another 10 right. bucks? Well, if you get a hundred of those people to do that, that's an extra thousand dollars. That's an extra $500. That all adds up in the end. Yeah. What's that? There's that marketing statistic. It's like, if somebody has purchased from you before, they're like nine times more likely to purchase again or yeah. something. It's because it's all psychology, right? Once they've taken that step with you, the likelihood of them continuing to do that is just infinite. It is. And it's one of those things that you can't assume that they're going to figure it out on their own. I remember when COVID started, one of my bands, they had just ordered all this merch and it was sitting in their living room mm -hmm. and he was crying. He was like, they had 14 dates. I said, open up your Instagram right now. I want you to go live. And I want you to talk about how devastated you are that not that you're, you can't tour, that you can't meet them, that you had picked up this merch. And then I had him explain that. So at a show, this t-shirt's going to cost you 25 bucks. And here's why we have to put gas in the van. We have to pay for hotels. We have to give a percentage to the, to the venue, you know, so we have to charge more. I, he said, but I'm sitting on all this merchandise. And I said, open up the box and show them the shirts and let them feel the emotion of what you put in to create this merch that you were taking out on the road when you got a chance to meet them. I said, and offer it for 10 bucks plus shipping. He's like, what? I said, offer it for 10 bucks plus shipping. And he sold out his t-shirts in a matter of weeks because he wow. went on and he did a boxing and he showed them and he showed them the boxes around his house. And he, and he told them the story of this merch is what helps support us. This merch is what allows us to be able to go in the studio and record these songs that you guys are dancing to at your weddings and hooking up with your friends and dancing at the beach and whatever the case may be. And he put some value on it more than just the $10. It's like our music is impacting your life. And the only way we're able to do that because we are independent is we have to finance this ourselves. And all of a sudden he just started selling the shirts and selling the shirts and selling the shirts. And then he came back and he's like, dude, we sold out the shirts. I'm like, great. Order more, order more, <laughs> order more, and tell the story, order more and tell the story. And that's what he did. What has been the easiest way? A lot of people are, you know, it's like the easiest way that you found to get an email. What is that, that freemium? What is that, that oh. ethical bribe? What has worked for you guys? I know everyone's different, but people ask me that all the time. It's like, Rick, what do I offer to get an email? What has worked for you guys? Um, the early access to unreleased stuff has been the most effective for us. Uh, we obviously exist in our scene is kind of the, the like the jam electronic space where people get really excited about live albums and stuff like yeah. that and the live experience. So we've given away like our next live album 
before anybody else gets access to it. I think the reason that has worked so well is because it makes people feel special that yeah. they're getting access to something before anybody else. It's also a very low cost way to go about it because the music's gonna be released. The music is done. You've already spent your money on that. All you're doing is giving them access before other people. And some people are hesitant because they think that'll hurt their streaming numbers. I've never seen it negatively impact it. I mean, if anything, they're only gonna support you more because they're more of a fan now. Well, and in order to get that music, they had to give you an email. So when it does finally get released, you could say, hey, I need you to do us a favor. Remember that album that I gave you? If you could just go push play on Spotify and listen to the album, we would greatly appreciate it. I, I once again, it's it's like, if we find something we like, do we listen to it once? No. You know, it's like Jack FM would not survive if we only listened to Pina Colada <laughs> one time. I mean, that song plays every three hours on that damn radio <laughs> station. So I think sometimes we outthink ourselves and we overthink the process and we we forget that when they received it, they may have just did it because they thought they were getting something cool. They may not have even listened to it yet. That email is just a reminder like, hey, remember that? Oh, shit, that's right. I got that album. You know, I got to go check that out, you know, send it an email reminding people, hey, going on any road trips this weekend, don't forget, you've got it before everyone else. Don't forget to create your own playlist with it, you know, make sure that you put it on play and listen to it over and over and over again. My buddy Jelly Roll, he went as far as telling his audience to say things like, listen, I know all of you can't afford tickets. I know all of you can't afford a shirt or he's really tapped into the 420 scene. So he goes, you can't get that grinder. Nice that I offer with my logo <laughs> on it. He said, but I know you love the music. If you could just play the music, the album once a day, I would love it. And at the time he had like a million monthly listeners and he was averaging six plays a day per wow. listener. That's a great ratio. Because he asked, because he told them how they can help them and they want to help you. They want to, but if you're only showing up asking all the time, there has to be, Hey, come to this. We're doing a, a rehearsal before our tour. You know, here's a link to come watch it. You know, come see what we're working on. Come see the set before we actually get to your show. Learn the songs. It'll be a lot of fun. You know, there's so many different things that you can do with people to kind of make them feel a part of something. But I, I like the that exclusive community. I think people love to have what not everyone has. Absolutely. They like to know about things before other people. It makes them feel cool, honestly, Absolutely. amongst their friends. We're in the know. Yeah. Know. Yeah. We, it's just psychology and human behavior. Once again, <laughs> that's why I tell people, that's what you need to go to college and study. Psychology, human behavior, marketing. Uh, this other stuff, it just changes so much. You know, it absolutely changes so much. So tell me a little bit about the agency. So basically, uh, we've grown. We have about 15 artist clients right now and two venues that we work with. We've kept it kind of small. We've stopped taking on as many clients as of recently just because, you know, quality over quantity. Absolutely. Like it's easy to scale profits. But if the quality goes down, then that's not, that wasn't the original purpose of doing this. It was to actually help some people out. So it's been going really good. Depending on the client, it's uh, anything from, you know, really pushing streaming all the way to developing these shipping and handling funnels for people. So depending on where the artist's at, it really changes the type of work we do for them. But uh we're really competitively priced. I think that's why we've been doing so well right now. I mean, like when we worked with uh, the NDX people at one point, we were paying like two grand a month for the band to do that just for the service. Sure. And so I wanted to be able to be a little more accessible to 
grassroots level artists that know they need a marketer, but can't fork out that money. So we've been charging $500 a month for that service, which has, yeah, it's, it's pretty cheap. I think we need to raise the price soon here, but for now it's- <laughs> I wouldn't call it cheap. I would call it affordable for the smart business-minded artist because you know it's, it's like when I decided to go offer my stuff lifetime and people were like, they would always ask me questions too. They're like, why are you cheaper than everyone else? And I said, well, cause that's my business model. You know what I mean? It's like, yes, I have worked for major labels. Yes. I launched one of the biggest stars in the world. Yes. I speak all over the place. I said, but I'm not looking to have a $10 million a year business. I said, I don't want the headaches that come with that. I don't want the infrastructure that comes along with that. I don't want the expenses that come along with that. I said, what I want to do is make this an affordable investment for the right person. Because even if you spend $500 to get lifetime access to my membership area, you still have to do the work. You still have to put in the work. And my mentors would say to me, like, Rick, you know, if they don't, if they don't feel like it's a, 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 a risky enough investment, they're not going to do the work. And I said, well, I'm going to explain to them why. I'm going to explain to them the reasoning behind why it is what I'm doing. Because I'm like, if I can equip, if I can find 500 people a year in the world that feel that they would like to have direct access to me, to be able to ask me questions, learn everything that I know at this moment and everything that I'm going to learn and present to them, I said, I'm all right. You know, it still allows me to play golf five days a week and serve the community that I want to serve. You know, okay. and then I do coaching twice a year where I open up 20 people, 90 days, one-on-one, -on -one, do that for six months out of the year. I said, that's just the model that I choose. Sure. If I want to charge $5,000 and serve less people, I could do that. But that's not why I got into this. I got into this to help as many of the right people as I possibly could. And I know the best way for me to be able to do that is to be affordable. I know the best way for me to fill my... 20 coaching spots that I open up, it's going to come from the group that's already made an investment in me, that I've already made an investment in them, and they see the value in what it is that I provide instead of just trying to find random people. I learned a very valuable lesson. Not all money is the right money. That is uh, a lesson I learned the hard way early. We all learned it I the hard way. Yes. <laughs> I was like, oh, great. Like these people want to work with me. Great, more money. Awesome. And then some clients were so difficult to work with just because they, they weren't at the right stage for this type of service. Sure. And it was, a, it was a headache. It was really tough to deal with. And to make that decision to cut people and like fire people as yeah. clients was really difficult. But the reality is they have to be in the right spot because we're trying to ship valuable work. I, I see your book behind you, Seth Godin, Tribes. Like, yeah. that, I listened to Akimbo religiously because it's it's true. It's like, we're trying to provide a valuable product that can help people. It's not all about the money, but it's still, we still to be deserve to be, um, you know, compensated. Paid, no, absolutely. Compensated. Yeah. No yeah. one goes to work for a handshake at the end of the week. They still need to pay their bills. They still need to provide for their families. So, and we're no different. You know, it's like anybody that comes to me and says, Hey, you should be doing this. I'm like, you're a moron. I don't even want you in my world, you know, unsubscribe, do not follow me. <laughs> You're unrealistic because no one's going to their job every week. And at the end of the week, except in a handshake and an attaboy and appreciate <laughs> it because you can't pay your mortgage on generosity and attaboys and thank you. So 
I've, I've, I've been dealing with that for 12 years, you know, it's like, <laughs> and it's funny. Cause everyone's like, well, why don't you do for me what you did for Taylor? I said, well, if you want to know the truth, Taylor paid me $150,000 a year. So if you want to have that conversation, we can have that conversation. It's like, if she saw the value in what it is that I provided, and here I am arguing with you over 500 bucks with this relationship, and, isn't going to go anywhere. And this leads to a, a great topic, which is that for some reason in music, people don't believe they need to invest in themselves like they're a small business. Like there is no brick or mortar, brick and mortar business in your town that didn't need upfront capital to get that right. thing rolling. It just doesn't exist. Right. And for some reason, musicians are like, oh no, my art will take me all the way. Like I don't need to spend money on myself and grow this like an, I'm an entrepreneur. It's just, uh, uh, it's a yeah misconception about what this really takes if you are a small business. And where they should invest their money. I have people that will send me a YouTube link to watch this video. And I could tell the videos cost them a couple grand, but they want my shit for free, you know, but they invested in this $2,000 video that's been out for two years that has 300 views. And now they're wanting, I'm like, I'm going to teach you how to get it in front of the right people. There's a cost to that. Just like with anything, just like with anything. And the cool part about people that listen to my podcast and people that, that follow me is they know what I always tell them is this, give me the right to make an offer. Let me earn the right to show you the value that I can provide. And if you feel that having direct access to me will speed up your process, because that when you invest in something, you're investing in speed. There are no shortcuts to success, but there is shortcuts to learning. There's shortcuts to not making the mistakes that you made for five years. You know, that's what you're investing in. You're investing in, in the person to guide you and show you this is what works. This is what doesn't work. Now, you're more than welcome to try this if you want to debate with me, but this is what I'm telling you. You don't need to waste time here. This is where you need to focus your attention. And I always say, when you go to the doctor, the diagnosis is free. The cure is going to cost. So I can tell, the doctor will tell you what your problem is, (laughs) but if he's going to fix your problem, there's a cost that comes with it. And if you want to work with a specialist, it's going to cost you more. If you want the treatment to happen faster, it's going to cost you more. So understanding the business side of things will allow artists the ability to have success quicker. They just need to, one, identify what success means to them, have realistic expectations on what success means to them and realize this i tell artists all the time i said you know if you can if you can make 50 grand a year doing what you love you're making more than most people that go to a job that make less doing what they hate so let's just go find 50 you know a thousand people in the world that'll spend 50 bucks with you and if you can't find that work harder and if we you find the people and they aren't invested in your stuff maybe your stuff's not as good as you think it is you know, or maybe you're getting it in front of the wrong person. You know, there's a lot of factors that go into this and people like us have the ability to help them understand what those factors are and make sure that we're putting them in a place to succeed. Because as many people come to me and go, oh, Taylor, Taylor was over 12 years ago. I'm in business today because of what I've been able to do for independent artists. I'm in business today because of what I've been able to teach independent artists. I'm in business today because people like you go out and say, hey, Rick, thank you. And tell other people, hey, this is who I learned from. This is you know, who inspired me. We didn't do the work as much as I take, yay, thank you for the compliments. You still had to do the work because I share the same stuff 
with a lot of people, but a right. lot of people aren't having the success that people like you are having because you did the work. And that's the thing. I want to teach you how to fish and you're fishing like a mother right now. You know, it's like you got the same information as everybody else got. You started with the free stuff, saw value, made an investment to get more access, more knowledge, and you put that to work. And now you've got not only is your band having success, but you're also able to have success by helping other people. And I applaud you for that. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a rewarding journey. But as you said, it took years of it took work. It took yeah. just not like buckling down and just putting in the hundreds of hours necessary to grow these skill sets. And I want to touch on something you mentioned a second ago, the analogy you made about the doctor and stuff. I feel like that's a great analogy to understand why online education is blowing up so much right now. Because yep. it's like the information is out there. You could choose to take the time and access that and all the trial and error it takes to figure it out on your own. Like same if you got a, if you're feeling sick, you could buy the books and look up what's going on with yourself or you could go to a doctor. It's the same thing with business. Like you could try to figure it out from all the YouTube videos, all the books out there, or you could pay for someone to show you the shortcuts, to show you how to get there in a more streamlined fashion because they've done it already. And I think people are starting to realize how valuable that is because it's a game changer. I tell people until you put a value on your hour, you're done because you don't understand it. It's like if if you like for me, if you want to just work with me for an hour, it's $300. So if I'm going to do a task and it's going to take me 10 hours to do this task myself, that's $3,000. Or I can hire an expert who can do it for $1,000. I'm hiring the expert who can do it for $1,000 because I just made two grand by not having to do it myself. <laughs> I look at it completely. And trust me, I didn't always look at it that way. I prided myself in being able to figure stuff out. Well, it took me a long time to mm. figure it out. And someone asked me on a panel one time, they're like, Rick, what would you have done earlier in your business? I said, I would have gotten a coach earlier in my business and I would have started outsourcing what I wasn't good at in the beginning of my business instead of thinking that I had to figure it all out because now I it's think it, now it's different. I think that's one of the hardest things for entrepreneurs is to learn to outsource you know yep. what I mean like because you build this thing on your own and you you think you're the one who can do it best and you're the only one who knows how to do it correctly it's hard to delegate tasks and give up that uh, or put trust in somebody else yep. to execute it and so I feel like that is part of the struggle is to realize like oh, there's somebody that can do this better than me. I should outsource this task to them. Absolutely. That took me a long time to learn. Or even if they get it to like 90% and you only have to come in and put your touches on it for the last 10%, at least getting somebody to start it. You know, it's like, because that's where I think a lot of this, it's like we've been spoiled by going to YouTube and typing in how to, you know, and then all of a sudden here's a how to video. But you also have to understand after watching an hour video, man, I already knew all that stuff or wow, this has no relevance to me, you know, and that's, it's like, and I've done that. I've, I've watched videos and I'm like, okay, I knew all this stuff. Damn it. They used the clickbait. They got me to watch this video and I already knew this stuff. So you also want to be able to know who you're getting your information from. Have they done what it is that you want to do? If I'm a band that wants to be successful. I'm going to go learn 
from a band that has been successful. I'm not going to get all my information and take advice from all my broke friends who are in other bands that are failing. I'm going to go to the band that's having success. If I see that a band's merch looks great, I'm going to go, who do you get your merch from? Hey, I know that you guys sell a lot of shirts. What's your pricing model? Hey, you know, it's like anything that you're having success with, I want to know why you're having success with it. And is it duplicatable for me? And that's the thing is when we can find those things that are duplicatable, when we can find the people that can help us get to where we want to go faster, you buy speed, you invest in speed, you invest in knowledge, but it's what you do. I always tell people, it's not what you know, it's what you do with what you know. You know, everyone goes to school, same hour, same classroom, same teacher, same books. Why is there one valedictorian every year? They all had the same information. They all had right. the same abilities. They all had the same situations put in front of them. Why did one succeed? Because one took it a little bit further, made it a priority. Some said, hey, I just want to get by. That's okay too. But don't expect the results of the kid who's having all the success if your thought process was, I just want to get by. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with doing music because you love music. There's, But don't treat it like a hobby and expect the results of a business. It's just not going to work that way. It really isn't. And hobbies can be expensive. I know. I play golf. Very expensive hobby. <laughs> but I know what I'm capable of. I know what my limitations are. And I know how to manage my expectations. And that's one of the things that I think is the biggest struggle today is managing expectations of artists, realizing that sometimes their desire doesn't match their talent. Or sometimes what's even sucks is when they have a lot of talent but they have no desire. And I'm like, oh my God, you're wasting this opportunity. Your music could have such much more impact on the world if you just took one hour a week and did these two things, you could touch twice as many people. Well, I want to touch more than that. Then do it two hours a week. Then do it three hours a week. Then do it four hours a week. I love what Gary Vaynerchuk says. I'm not concerned with how many hours you have in a day. I'm concerned with the hours, you know, if you need to sleep, if you need to, what do you do with the hours that you do have? That's what's going to make the most impact. Not saying I only have four hours a week. Great. Congratulations. What are we going to do in those four hours? Because we can teach you what to do in those four hours that will have the most impact on your business. What is the best way for people to uh, reach out and connect with you? Uh, so you can hit me up at Jordan at Highline Artists. Um, if you're an independent artist and you are at the point where you think you need some fuel behind the fire, but fuel behind your content, you need some marketing, or if you want to learn some streamlined tactics to market your product properly, um, you can go to highlineartist.com. We have our zero to hundred thousand streams course, which is a basic like marketing concept to help you grow your streaming and retarget those, those people and turn them into real fans. And then we have our consultations that we do and kind of help artists like get on the right track like you do for people. And then we have our marketing services. So uh, hit me up at Jordan at Highline Artist or go to HighlineArtist.com and you can basically find everything you'll need. Great. And spell that Spell that for them. I'll put the links in the show notes, but a lot of people listen, don't do that. So spell that out for them. Highline Artist. So H-I-G-H-L-I-N-E, artists, plural, dot com. And if you do promo code Rick, you'll get 20% off your first Ooh. month of working with us. Ooh. There you go. All right. And I'm sure if you get to their website, there's a, a freebie and you're going to end up on their 
email marketing list, which is fantastic because yeah, I guess <laughs> if they're going to take the time to send it out, take the time to read it. And uh, also too, you can follow the band. I'll put a link to the band's Instagram page so people can check out you and your music as well. Anything you want to say before we jump off here? Uh, I just want musicians to know that like this, these goals they have are not as far away as they may seem. The industry is not stacked against you. It's really just up to you learning a basic set of skills or finding somebody who can help you with that. But this is the best time ever to be an independent musician. No, there's never been a time where you've had more control over finding your audience and actually being able to turn this into a career. I, I, can't, I don't even know what people did 30, 40 years ago. I don't understand how that was possible to not be a major label artist and have success. But now there's this nicheification of culture happening where everything's going underground. The mainstream doesn't matter as much anymore. And no matter how obscure your music is, you can find your fans. And that is so empowering. And so I just want other artists to know that. Dude, I appreciate you. I'm glad we were able to make this physical connection this time around and excited to uh, see where this goes for you. Uh, excited to refer some people your way. Uh, I'm always, you know, people are always asking me if I run ads and I'm like, no, I don't. But now I have an option to be able to refer people to. So I appreciate that. Well, thank you. And I just want to say it's so refreshing to get to talk shop with somebody like you because I respect you so much. So thanks for having me. Appreciate it.